Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and my guest today is visually, visual, Steve, visualization, say it for me again, visualization coach, Steve Gamlin, who joins me today to show us how to see it, be it, do it, how to get from where you are now to where you want to be. And now in his 17th year as a motivational firewood guy, I love that motivational firewood guy. He shares his back-to-back basics. Steve, I'm really struggling here today. I'm so sorry. He shares his back-to-basics blend of positivity and humor with corporate and conference audiences around the country. And drawing from a decade in the radio industry, seven years of stand-up comedy, and a 30-year-plus, a 30-plus year of personal development journey, He teaches his clients to see their desired outcomes, understand their why, we hear a lot about that these days, and then build action plans to achieve them utilizing his Vision Board Mastery Program, as well as live and virtual events. Steve, welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I cannot talk today, so you're going to be doing a lot of talking (laughs) to just cover up my boo-boos, but it's good to have you here. It is great to be here, Denise. Thank you so much for having me. And believe me, you didn't make any more mistakes than anybody else ever makes doing that. So through the magic of just being a very cool person, I'm happy to be here, and uh, I think you're great. Thank you. Uh, you know, it's my show. I've been doing it for 13 years. You'd think I would just be smooth as glass. I'm not. So here we are. We're we're here to have a good time and just enjoy it yeah. because you you're talking about a topic that I firmly adhere to. I believe in it. I understand it and I think from the conversation that you and I had not too long ago, honestly we should have recorded that pre-interview. We had a ball and I didn't make boo-boos. But I wasn't on the radio. So there's that. <laughs> Darn it. But anyway, we we talked about a lot. We talked about the secret. We talked about the law of attraction. Where And I know that you had a lot of issues before you kind of stumbled into this. Yeah, I think you had problems in your marriage, you had trouble in your you know personal life. We can talk a bit about that. But what got you going on this? The personal development stuff started back, gosh, in my early 20s. I mean, late night, um, I'm home at the end of a long day, and I see this guy named Tony Robbins uh, (laughs) promoting his personal power to cassette, dating myself here, cassette program. And uh, I think I put $182 on a credit card that barely had any room on it, and that's where the personal development journey started. I really liked what Tony was saying and the way he said it because it was very basic for him back then. Uh, I'm not as big of a fan anymore, but the early stuff really spoke to me and said, all right, I want to have a purpose in my life. I want to go after what I want and take the action. And if you're going to be in the river, at least give yourself a paddle and have some control over where you want to go and not just sit there long for the ride. And I did a lot of reading, did a lot of introspection, took a lot of notes. Gosh, I've been keeping journals for almost 30 years. 
And I want to follow in my dream of being on the radio in my mid-20s. Did that for 10 years, got burned to a crisp, physically, mentally, emotionally. My marriage was falling apart. And in the course of a year, a year and a half, I blew the whole thing up. Career gone, first marriage gone, pretty much bankrupt. And then so you I were got devastated. Into- yeah. Yeah. Mm. I always trying to find the positive. Even if I didn't create the positive <laughs> stuff, I tried to keep my foot in the positive right, pool. Right. I mean, gosh, some people think, you know, you read this book or you go watch The Secret and your life is perfect. Oh, my God. These things are going to show you how screwed up your life is. But they'll show you a way to put it back together if you're willing to do the work. And you have to understand, I mean, you're talking about, you know, personal personal development, self-improvement, Tony Robbins and cassettes. Listen, I started my journey with a cassette, a group of cassettes. I was at a a garage sale, and I don't know how I got there. My car always just took me to these places. I wasn't looking, but I saw this little binder, (laughs) which is still in my office closet, by the way, little plastic binder, and I opened it up, and I think it had six cassette tapes in there. And they were from Zig Ziglar. I didn't know what a Zig was or a Ziglar. I had no idea, but it was 50 cents. The tag is still on there. And I thought, what in the heck is a Zig Ziglar? And, you know, it was in my wheelhouse. I could afford it. I had 50 cents. So I bought it, cassette in the car, you know, because we had cassettes back in the day. And I started driving down the road. I had to pull over and just stop and listen to this incredible voice. And I just sat there in the car with air conditioner running. I live in the South. Your air conditioner runs anytime you're in the car. And I just sat there with my mouth open for a long time. And that started my journey. So I know what you're talking about. Yeah. All of a sudden you get, I mean, there are some people out there, believe me, there are, it's Larry Winget, who we both adore. Uh, uh-huh. calls them the, the, the motivational bozos, the, uh, the I can change your life, you know, just invest in my platinum program. But then you get the classics like Zig and Brian Tracy and these other people who, I mean, they created their messages and they crafted them decades ago. But yet you could pop them in now and they still speak to you. And I really respect that about kind of the statesmen of the personal development world there's there are just too many motivational bozos out there and i do my best to not be one of them do you ever listen to earl nightingale i love him i have mm-hmm. he's terrific but i understand what you're saying because if you look at a lot of what the early zigzag with brian tracy all these people nothing has changed they stayed true to their message and it resonated then and it resonates probably for me anyway even more now as the world changes and spins on its axis or we're just noticing how much it's changing but their their messages were so true that you can, you can hardly avoid them if you're paying attention mm. and there's so many flash in the pan one hit wonders now you know these people that write a book and it goes viral or it's, it's an Amazon bestseller for 15 minutes on a Saturday morning at, you know, between 3 and 3.15 a.m. <laughs> and all of a sudden, there's a way to create a golden child. But these right. guys, I mean, even though most of them have, have now passed, their legacy and their organizations continue on because they had rock-solid information that doesn't change with the times. It doesn't change with the flashy colors. 
just because we're in the digital age now, it doesn't mean that any, anybody with a great website and all this flashy video production is any better. I actually tend to listen to the tried and true, the masters, who are still carved in the rock of personal development and not just a bumper sticker like so many people are these days. Exactly. And Napoleon Hill, Wallace Waddles. Surprisingly, a lot of people don't really know who Wallace Waddles was, but you know he was around around the same time, maybe a little bit earlier than Napoleon Hill. Everybody knows who Napoleon Hill is. I mean, everybody. And mm-hmm. what he had to say then is still as relevant now as it was way back in the day, and it always will be, I think. Yeah, because it's a back to basics. It's it's not so much a broad brush, but it's got a lot of the key elements that will build any machine that will run today. If you if you plug in their stuff, put yourself into it, you can still apply all the basic lessons of books like Think and Grow Rich because they're evergreen, they're endless. And they're just right. so basic that if you apply them, you're going to get somewhere, but you have to be willing to do the work. This whole snap your fingers, instant success thing is such a bunch of crap. And I hear it all the time. And people ask me, so if I take your program or come to your event, is my life going to be better? <laughs> Not unless you take what I say and do something with it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, there has to be action. And you talk about that. You talk about the power of visual, visualization. What in the world is wrong with me today? I use that term all the time. Apparently, I can't articulate it. What the heck? It's in my head. That's where it belongs. And you talk about the importance of action. And I think that's where a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, I've, I've got it. I can see it. But have you, have you taken aim at it? Have you actually done something to make it happen? Look, I visualize things. Oh, I can say that word. I visualize things all the time. But I keep coming back to it, keep coming back to it. I add to it. I might change a color. I might change how it smells. Because if you're really good at visualizing things, you can actually walk into it and see it, right? I mean, you can change it. Yeah. You can you know, add to it. It's like, you know, I don't like that tree over there. It's not really what I thought it was going to be. I'm going to add this one. You know, if you're trying to build a house, if you're trying to do landscaping, whatever it is that you're doing, you have to see it before you can take aim at it. So I am going to turn over the microphone to you and let you tell people how we need to see it and how we can give ourselves more options and more opportunities. The first question I ask a lot of people, and I'll, and I'll say that exact same thing, and I'll say, all right, think of a goal in one area of your life. And so many people think it's work-life balance. And I say, look, here's your life career, your finances, your physical health, your emotional well-being, your spirituality, your relationships, your ethics, morals, and integrity, your connection with the world in a real way, your education, what are you learning, and material stuff gets tacked on at the end. So I say, think of one goal in one part of your life. Got it? Good. What does it look like? And then they'll start to describe it. I say, okay, what's going to feel like when you have it? What does it sound like if there's an auditory component to it? I mean, if it's, if it's a degree you want to get, all right, how loud are you going to scream at your graduation when you get handed that thing and jump up and down? And they say, all right, all right, and they're smiling. And I said, what does it even smell like? And some mm-hmm. people say, my goals don't smell. 
and go, well, okay, describe what it's going to, where you're going to be and where it's going to be like when you achieve it. If it is that degree and you're going to be on the lawn of a local college at a commencement getting it, how cool is that fresh cut lawn going to smell when you're walking up there to get your degree? And then people start to go, oh, it's this whole experience. It's never just the thing. It's what does it look like, feel like, sound like, smell like, and who are you going to become in the process of achieving this? And my biggest knock on the secret is one of the main characters was a genie in a magic lamp. And it got too many people thinking, and too many already do, if I just wish for it, it'll happen. Oh, the law of attraction, yeah. I use that. Right. You, know, you know, I just think that it's going to show up at my door. No, it's not. I mean, come on. It, it, I, people say, I want to be a millionaire. I'm like, great, did you buy a lottery ticket? Nah, I'll never win. Well, if you don't buy a ticket, you know, if you don't get off your couch and walk to the store and buy a ticket, you'll never win a million dollars. You gotta, you gotta have some skin in the game. You gotta be a part of the process here. A lot of attraction is great, manifesting is great, but you gotta meet it at least halfway. That's the biggest eye opener when I talk to people, and I say, "How long have you had this goal? Ten years. How much closer are you to getting it?" Well, I can still see it. Well, great. <laughs> now, what are you about doing about it? it? Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Steve, let me ask you this. I view the law of attraction. I mean, I don't have anything against it, but I view it with a rather contrarian, jaundiced eye, if you will. I tend to look at the law of attraction as a compare and contrast type of thing. If I'm putting out ugly thoughts or ugly tweets or ugly whatever it is, they're going to come right back and bite me in the butt. That's how I look at the law of attraction. So I try not to do things that are going to damage me at any level by damaging other people. And that's kind of where I leave it. Is that too narrow-minded? No, I actually really like that because not enough people get that. And some people call it karma or, you know, you, right. you get what you get or what you put out there. You know, it's, it, it's a pretty similar thing to me as well. You know, the energy you're putting out there in the world is going to determine – the likelihood or increasing the odds that similar energy is going to land back in your lap. You know, if you're out there kicking puppies and yelling at old people and, and denting people's cars, well, chances are something bad's going to happen to you eventually. What most people don't remember is they started it. You know, it's, right. a, it's, it's, it's a, a circle. like playground thing of, you know, well, you started right. it. Well, you did. So if you go through the world every day, doing your best to be a good person, to commit acts of kindness, to prop people up, to cheer people on, to take care of yourself, and to not stare at your shoes but stare ahead, you increase the odds that similar energy will come your way. It's not a guarantee. Bad things happen to good people. Rabbi Harold Kushner wrote a book with that title, and it's absolutely true. But if we put better energy out there, if we lift up any room we're in, if we're adding light versus darkness – we increase the odds, and this is just my belief, that similar positive opportunities will come our way. Exactly. And I always just assume that things are going to go perfectly well for me because that's how I start my day every day. I start with gratitude. I start with thankfulness. I do my best to be a decent person. I have moments where I'm like, you said what? What? Okay. Bring it on. I'm going to bloody your nose, and I will. You know, it's just, but, but the thing is, you know, if you, 
I think a lot of people don't understand that really all we are, all and this is my opinion, and probably, you know, a lot of other scientists' opinions, which I am not, but we're energy. The world is energy. Everything we do is energy. Why do you want to wallow in a vat of garbage energy? I don't get it. I never will understand it. Yeah. Well, Jack Canfield calls people like that the Ain't It Awful Club. And, and I there love you how you described it. You know, you're at the bar and you hear one guy said, oh, my day was horrible. Listen to this tale of woe and how much my life stinks. And then somebody else goes, you think you got it bad. And they're trying to top each other by having the worst day or the worst life or the worst luck or whatever. Whereas I'd rather be at the other end of the bar celebrating people. Hey, this great thing happened to, you know, to Denise today. Oh, my gosh, Denise, that's great. And then you say, hey, thanks so much. But did you hear about what happened to Steve today? And it's almost like we're all we're raising the bar. On purpose. I love one of the things I love to do most, in addition to gratitude, which you already mentioned. I do that every morning, pen to paper. I love to cheer people on throughout the day. If I see somebody in social media that achieved something, uh, if I don't have time to shoot a quick little video or audio message, I'll at least put a post there and say, "Hey, that is awesome. You just made my day. You just gave me hope for my day. Congratulations." Or if I see somebody down, I'll just reach out and try to pick them up with a kind word or an offer to get on a phone call or just to say, hey, you know what? That was yesterday. I know you can make a better day happen. And just try to plug in and up the wattage of as many situations as I can without sounding like a unicorn riding guru that farts rainbows and glitter because I'm not one of those. (laughs) I had to mute to laugh. (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) And this is going to go back to what we were talking about in the very beginning. What brought you I mean what you described just now is perfect I love that and I try to do the same thing I don't understand envy you know somebody will say oh my gosh you know I just I after 10 years I was able to buy my dream home we're calling it a mini mansion and you look at pictures and by golly it is I think that is fabulous I mean I'm like oh whoa good for you and this has actually happened this morning from another you know previous guest of my show I am so delighted for him and his wife. That, and a lot of people will go, oh, yeah, well, good for you. I don't get that. But I wanted to go back a bit because when you, when you started, you were the guy at the bar going, oh, my God, my life sucks. My wife just left me. And now you're this different guy. How did that happen? I mean, we talked a bit about it, but what hit you in the uh, between the eyes and said, you can't keep going like this. You've got to do something different. Yeah, in the early 2000s, I was at the end of my 10-year radio career, and I'd worked about 15 years' worth of hours. I uh, had a DJ business. So in addition to working 50, 60 hours a week, I was DJing pretty much every weekend events and uh, weddings and stuff like that. So I was absolutely fried. My wife, my first wife and I were not communicating just burned out. Financially, I was not doing well. And I just pulled the pin and let the grenade blow. I quit my radio career without a full-time job. Marriage ended shortly after that. And I just sat in the ashes for about a year, just trying to think, what the heck did I just do to my life? And where do I want it to go from here? And I remember people ask, what was the moment? I'm like, I know exactly the moment because it happened in August of 2003. On a very humid afternoon... I decided I had $3 left in my pocket, 
and I went and just wanted to take out my frustrations on a bucket of golf balls at a driving range. Now, I'm a horrible golfer, so I went to the farthest tee box on the property, which happened to be under some power lines. So these big, giant metal poles and all these electrical wires above me. Thunderstorm came ripping through. So here I am, barefoot in the wet grass, under power lines, in a thunderstorm in the pouring rain, hitting golf balls as hard as I can. And everybody but me ran away from the storm. And I just held the club up and looked and just laughed. And I said, go ahead. <laughs> I dare you. Just go ahead. Hit me. And so I finished my golf balls. And then I looked and I saw two full buckets of golf balls that got left behind by two other gentlemen who ran from the storm. And they took off and they weren't coming back. So I hit their golf balls too. And at the end of an hour, I couldn't even lift my arms. And when I got to my car and opened the door, the sun came out, and I just started laughing, like, well played. And I just started working with a brand-new life coach at the time. I was actually, I think, his first client, so he was test driving everything he learned on me. And he said, so how was your week? And I told him that story, but I made it as funny as I could. It was really self-deprecating, but it was really funny. And he said, i got two questions for you. Have you ever, you know, thought of being – a stand-up comedian, and the other one, have you ever thought of being a motivational speaker? And I said, you know what? Yes and yes, but I, I have zero idea how to do it, and I don't know if I'd be any good. He said, you got the tools. He goes, you just got to sharpen them up. There's a stand-up comedy introductory class at a local community college that started two weeks later. He had the brochure on his desk. And then he asked if I ever heard about Toastmasters. And I said, well, yeah, it's kind of where they teach you to be a, a speaker. And he said, yeah, they'll help you craft your stories, use your voice, use your body, your physicality, and, and just build something really cool. He goes, I think you'd be great at it. And within a month, I was attending both. And within a year, I had been paid to be a comedian, not much, and to be a speaker, even though I wasn't very good. So it just... It was kind of like that person asking me or, or almost believing me in me when I didn't that gave me that nudge that said, well, okay, well, Coach Dan thinks I can do it. I'll go for it. And from the first moment at both places, comedy class and Toastmasters, I knew this is what I wanted to spend the rest of my life doing. So you were able to take, and he was able to see parts of you that you weren't really utilizing, you know, humor, levity, sarcasm, which we all love. (laughs) It's my second language. Well, it's my first language. But sometimes it is. (laughs) And I have a subset in sardonic. I'm very good at it. Although every once in a while I'll be so sardonic that I have to ask people, was I just too subtle? Did you not understand that I was insulting you? Like, darn it, that was a waste of a good jab. <laughs> but but seriously, it sounds like you, it was time. And I think timing is everything. You know, we all kind of hit several times in our lives, not just one, where we're hitting those golf balls and just defying somebody to strike us and see how we like it. So have you had moments like that since? Or was that the one where you just went, okay, I got it. I'm listening. I'm paying attention. Now I'm going to go do. Well, I've had many since. Um, you know, somebody once asked me, 
you know, so did you soar out of the ashes like a phoenix, you know, the mighty phoenix? And, and all of a sudden it's like in the movies where the clouds part and you hear the angels go, ah. <laughs> and like the hero comes back and he just lives forever. And I'm like, and I used to have a keynote speech that was called, uh, some days your phoenix rides a pogo stick because you jump out of the ashes and you pull back into the fire and you burn all your tail feathers off again. Right. And then you jump back out. I said, the key is to just keep bouncing back higher every time. And the beautiful thing about your tail feathers, and your tail feathers are your skills, your confidence, your, your, your attitudes, your, your, your just feeling about yourself, is every time they burn off, they grow back and they're stronger and the colors can be more beautiful. So um, I, I actually, I used to love delivering that presentation because so many people related to it. And they said, you know, I've been in the fire for a while or what some people used to say is, you know, I never took the risk of quitting a career or going after my dream because I was afraid that I would fail. And I said, well, you know, that which doesn't kill you makes you stronger or in my case gives you a really good story to tell on stage. And exactly. some people have said, hey, Steve, I took a chance. I went for it. And I'm not telling everybody to quit their job and follow their dream, but make it a side hustle. Or in the case of a recent client, they said they would love to leave corporate America and volunteer full-time at animal shelters and rescue animals. But they can't right now because financially they couldn't swing it. Well, great. For an hour on a Saturday morning, once a month, why don't you go to the shelter and walk the dog and go get the flavor of it? And one of my clients, we used to call them slivers because she worked 50, 60 hours a week at a corporate job. But every weekend, she would go volunteer somewhere for an hour, and we called it slivers. And if you make those slivers so cool, you see them and you feel them and you're emotionally tied to them, you can get through those 40, 50, 60 hours a lot easier when you have that visualization at the end of each week. Exactly. And you know something that has been popping into my head a lot, and we may have talked about this during our truly fascinating pre-call, but this is keep coming to me. It's coming to me from myself, and it's coming to me from a couple of clients that this pops into my head. You're living too small. You're staying too narrow. You're living too small. And I'm talking to myself about that as well. So without yeah, I, I being able to vision, did you? So, I mean, listen, I like yeah. to think I'm fairly enlightened. I think I'm, you know, fairly smart. I live alone. I'm the smartest person in the room. I can say that. But I'm living too small, and I know I am, and it's driving me nuts. So where do you go from that? Once you recognize that, either with the people around you or in yourself, what talk do you have with yourself? Where do you go? first thing I do is figure out where it is I want to go and what it's going to look like and feel like in all of that. You know, I literally, I just said this this morning to myself. So the first step is, and, and believe me, this is not the first time. It's, it's been dozens of times over the years. You got to look out there and see who is living it, who is doing it, and who is rocking it, doing what you wish to do. That maybe because you're playing small, you don't believe you can play on that level yet. See who's out there doing it and watch them, study them. Follow them on social media. See if they have videos out there. See if they do radio shows. See if they write books. And start to invest yourself in the knowledge that they've spent decades earning. And if you can, hire them as a coach or be part of an organization or association with these people. Start swimming at the end of the pool as deep as you may think it is and scary because maybe you can't swim well yet. 
start being around these people. And I had a call with one of my coaches and mentors the other day. I'm about to become a part of this organization of people who are killing it, crushing it, and getting the best out of themselves. And he and I had a long conversation the other day. And that's my next step is to play at that level. And I watched them uh, virtually at an event all day yesterday. And I just sat here and I said, that's what I need to be. So you got to figure out where the people are doing it and then go right. part of it. And that's excellent, excellent advice. And congratulations. I can't wait to hear about it. So, I mean, seriously, you have to keep me posted or I'll cut you off my Christmas card list. I'm just letting you know right now. (laughs) (laughs) Not threatening, just warning you. Okay, so you've got a lot of steps that you can share with people without giving away your, your whole entire course, which you do have, and we'll talk about that. But what are some of the steps that people can and probably should take to kind of get out of their thinking small or being worried or saying, hey, imposter syndrome, I'm not good enough. Look, I have been podcasting for 13 years. I can't articulate very well sometimes, but you know, I still, I've been doing it for 13 years. And you know who's an imposter? Me. Because I see all of these people putting out courses that have been, oh, maybe, you know, they're a podcaster for a minute and a half. Ticks me off that I have not caught up with myself. So guess what my next project is? Yeah, it happens. Believe me, I've I've got the name badge that says imposter on it. And it's written in Sharpie because I've worn it so many times over the years. And I think we all do. And anybody who says they've never struggled with imposter syndrome is I was either born with double the confidence, like they should have been twins, but they got both doses, or they're lying. Because if you're growing, you're always going to feel that you're maybe not worthy of that next level yet, which is what makes you bust your butt to right. get there. And the number one thing, the number one place for people to start in, in so many programs out there, the reason I created mine the way I did was because so many others don't. You have to understand where you are right now. And so many people don't. They just say, well, right now my life blows and I want it to be better. No. All the areas of life that I spoke about earlier that I mentioned, the you know, career, finances, health, emotional, physical, relationships, connection, all of that. If you're a mathematical person, great. Grade them all on a scale of 1 to 10 of where they are now. If you are verbal and descriptive, like I like to be, start to describe what your life looks like, feels like, sounds like, smells like in all these areas. Where is it? Are you happy with it? Do you wake up every day happy or do you wake up feeling like there's a great cloud over your head? Really be brutally honest with where your life is right now. And that's point A. Because too many people are just punching an address into a GPS and they don't know where they are now, so they don't know how to get there. You need both. You have to know where you are now to be able to determine how to get to where you want to go. Not enough people do that. And a very important word you mentioned earlier is why, knowing why you want something. And a a very not acceptable answer that I used to get a lot, I said, well, why do you want that? And they go, because my life sucks. Well, okay. (laughs) What about your life sucks? And and how how are you feeling? Don't just broad brush it like that. Just tell me where it's at right now. Because if you put in that first point, and then you say where you want to be, you start to map out the action. And if you know why you want to get there, 
as many trees as there are falling across your path, as many things that get in your way, as many people that try to drag you off your course, if you are so gut-checked as to why you want to get somewhere, you'll go over, under, around, through, whatever to get there if your why compelling enough. You know, I, I had a why about a decade ago where I went to my doctor in September, and he said, okay, look, we're going to put you on medication. Your cholesterol is almost a perfect bowling score, which it, that's not the machine you want the high score on. And I said, well, okay. He said, we're going to put you on this medication. I said, I'd really rather not because it was fairly new and we didn't know the side effects of it. He goes, all right, you need to lose 20 pounds by Christmas. I'll give you three months. Go to it. And he says, if you don't, 10 years from now, you are on the very likely to have a, not even a tickle stroke, a major stroke category. Wow. So there's your why right there. You, you want to stay alive. That's a pretty important one. So the very next day, I went to the gym. And I, I'd had a membership for years, but the computer laughed when I swiped my card and it tried to calculate how many days <laughs> a day since I was there. I'm like, I think I just made the computer laugh over there. So I met with the nutritionist, and I said, here's my situation. You have the knowledge. What foods do I need to eat? I need to lose 20 pounds. I also need to knock my triglycerides down on my bad cholesterol numbers. And she said, how long do you have? I said, three months. She goes, it is doable, but you have got to work every day. Great. She printed out a list of four or five sheets of all the best foods to eat. And then I met with a fitness trainer. I said, look, I need three alternating workouts because I get bored very easily. Got those. Great. Got up the next day, went to the gym, did my first day's workout. Did about four minutes on the elliptical and thought I was going to die and went home. Within three weeks, I could do 45 minutes on the elliptical. And the weight started coming off. And when I went back to the doctor, the week of Christmas, and he weighed me, and he goes, 19 pounds. Good job. Almost made it to 20. He looked at my blood numbers. I had cut one of the numbers had been 150. I think it was triglycerides. It was down to 75. And he just shook my hand. He said, get the hell out of my office. He goes, just keep doing what you're doing and you won't have to deal with medication. And he said, so most people come back in five pounds heavier. <laughs> he goes, right. I just give them the pills, but I knew Especially the during a holiday. Yeah, busted my butt to hit those numbers because my why was strong enough. And I'm guessing that your why is still that strong and that this became a lifestyle rather than, okay, I've got three months to make this guy happy. Yeah, it's. I mean, believe me, it's had ebbs and flows. Uh, I, I was saying earlier this week, somebody uh, in the National Speakers Association was speaking with somebody, and they referred to speakers as elephants. And I said, hey, I take offense to that. I put on a few COVID pounds, but I'm not an elephant. I'm just a plush right <laughs> zebra. <laughs> so as soon as I get you know, my second shot, um, I'm going back to the gym because I obviously this past year, it has not been on my list of places to go just based on my personal beliefs. And so there's, there's been a few pounds that crept back on this year, but I'm looking forward to getting them back off to bring me back to the energy level that I had prior. Exactly. And I was talking with a friend of mine. We're doing a, a mastermind. We're creating our own mastermind. And then as we hone it and define how we can help other people, we'll be letting other people come in. But right now it's just her and I. And we were talking about energy and, you know, how if you get a little bit too much weight going on, if you have too much inflammation going on in your body, you're thinking 
it's hard to actually think rationally sometimes or stay focused. And that's a big mm. why for me right now. I mean, I'm having trouble articulating. I'm having trouble focusing. And I know it's because I'm not moving. So I am just signed up yesterday for 99 walks, I think it is. My dog's like, all right, we're going to walk every day. Okay. Because I haven't even been doing that. <laughs> it's just, yeah. she's got a big backyard. I just cut her loose out there. But my dog and I are going to go walking. And we started last night. I hated it. Hated it. You know why? Because we've had months of low humidity. I live in the deep south. I don't know how this state ever got populated pre, in you know, electricity. That was spousal rape. I don't care what anybody says. But <laughs> when it gets really humid, I just about half die. I mean, I can, it's like walking outside into a wet wool blanket. Guess what last night was? The first humid night in months. I cursed the whole way. I, I walked three miles. I did a lot of bad words, but I did it. Yeah. Then I came home, jumped in the shower, and pretty much just died on the couch. I'll go do it again yeah. tonight. We'll see. Yeah. Yep. And 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 that we just we just we just have to start. I mean that's that's it. And and so many of the masters said that. You know, just get started. Just do something. Just hit baby go, steps. Do whatever. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, I I liken it to an old wooden roller coaster, which we still have one here in Southern New Hampshire. It's like a hundred plus years old. And I said, look, the top of that first hill is your goal, right? You just got to get over that. But it's not like one of those jet or rocket-powered roller coasters. You don't just shoot up there, and it doesn't hold a lot of people. These roller coasters are smaller. So first off, you want to make sure you surround yourself with people who are going to dig the ride. But then you have to understand that it's going to go click, click. You can't cheat. You can't jump ahead. You can't start near the top. You have to do every single baby step to be able to enjoy that ride. And our lives are exactly the same way. And too many people are complaining about the amount of work that goes into it they forget how cool and badass that ride is going to be once they get over the top and did all the work necessary to get to the really fun part. Now, I actually love the clicking part because you hear people start to get nervous. And as we get closer, they get excited. If it's their first time, they don't know what to expect. And hmm. I actually love that part. That makes sense. And, you know, this whole chat that I had with, with my friend, my my mastermind partner, we both decided we were because neither one of us we're not in horrible condition, but we're not in peak condition. You know, we've been stressing, we've been working too hard. There's a lot going on. You know, I've had some deaths in my family. She's had them at hers. It's just an awful lot going on. And I'll be honest with you, I allowed myself to wallow in it a bit. Then I had to find my why again. I had to find what's important to me. My health is obviously important. Making Better decisions about my business, very important. So all of a sudden, yesterday, I heard one of those clicks, and off I went. I took action. And you know why? Because of the conversation you and I had had earlier in the week. I could hear you in my head going, well, what are you waiting for? What's stopping you? Wow. And that was a powerful conversation. I mean, we were just kicking around talking about being together on the show, and I took a full-page notes the other day. And I left our conversation on fire the other day, too. I had a great day. I went downstairs and, and went outside and got the mail. It was my most exercise of the day. <laughs> but it was just it, when you're around 
genuinely, authentically positive people. Like I consider us to be, I mean, we can be sarcastic, sardonic, all these other. You and I are on a very similar path, you know, but we're doing it our way. You know, not the not the guru way, not the other way. We're just being very unique, and we attract the right people to ourselves. So I was blown away the other day when you called up and said, hey, Steve, do you want to be on the show this week? Heck, yes, I do. <laughs> well, and tell the rest of the story. I've been lurking around Facebook watching you for quite a while. So <laughs> you didn't know that, but, you know, I had to admit, it's like, this guy is funny. He's fascinating. Do you want to be on my show? So here we are. But we yeah. talked an awful lot about people like Larry Winget, you know, people that we really admire and why we admire them. And the fact that, you know, they have had Larry, I mean, Larry is a huge success. He had a lot of issues getting there, and he'll admit it. I mean, nobody is an instant success. I mean, it, it just doesn't happen. And I think in these Days when people are saying, "Oh wow, you know, I can, I can put up this funnel and I can do this, and I'm going to make ten thousand dollars a month in three weeks." Take a seat. Take a seat mm-hmm. and think about what you're thinking there. What work are you doing? What are you offering? Who are you attracting? Is this going to be scalable? Are you going to be around in ten years? These are the questions I wish people. In this part of your why, how do I serve other people? How do I be of genuine assistance to people. And I'm not seeing a whole heck of a lot of that, and it worries me. Yeah, for a lot of these people out there, and, and you and I see it. We see it on Facebook. We see it all these places. You know, hey, be a podcaster and make $10,000 a month right out of the Oh, day. gosh. Yeah. No. I mean, gosh, you can do it for a few years. I, I've yep. been doing it about the same amount of time with my show and, and all the stuff I do. People don't have enough bricks in their foundation, and it, it comes down to the three little pigs. you got a lot of houses of straw and hay out there, and people like Larry Winget, Joe Calloway, oh, yeah. Brick, yep. you know, all the legends that we already mentioned. Brick, you know, nobody just came up with this stuff on the first day and hit, struck gold or hit pay dirt. You know, we all, or if they did, all, you never hear yeah. of them again. I mean, yeah. you know, the early, the early marketers – and they were around. They were huge. They were massively well-known. I can't remember any of their names now. And they were everywhere. You couldn't turn a page on the Internet without being hit in the face by these guys. I spent a lot of money with these guys. They're not around anymore. Yeah. Yeah. There's too much of that out there. And, and there's also too many people that are afraid to show their scars. And, and for me, scars are just an awesome testimony to the fact that you tried something. And I've always said, when I'm 90 years old, I want to be sitting on my front porch in a rocking chair, probably listening to the Rolling Stones because they'll probably still be alive. But just sitting there smiling because everything I ever wanted to do, I went for it. And I want to be covered in scars and memories and all these other things versus being this perfectly preserved person sitting there on the front porch saying, why didn't I do this? Or I wish I had done this when I could. And, and people say, well, what do you mean? Like, you ever wanted to go in a hot air balloon or go skydiving or go do something thrill-seeking? Yeah, I always wanted to, but I never had the courage. All right, when you're 90 years old, are you going to wish you had done it? Probably. Then why don't you do it? I mean, I'm not saying go do stupid things. Don't stand at the edge of the Grand Canyon hopping up and down on one foot. 
Go no, do God, no, don't, like, don't do that. No. Yeah, Wasn't it President Bush the elder that was skydiving until he was in his late 80s, 90s? I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, myself, <laughs> I've jumped out of three perfectly good airplanes over the years, and the coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life was the bottom of an airplane flying away, knowing, hey, I was in that 10 seconds ago. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, and you're talking about the, the Grand Canyon. I love the Grand Canyon. I think it is one of the the most magnificent places on earth that I have seen at any rate. And I have a problem with heights. I don't do well with them. I don't even go in my own attic. I hire people. It's like, nope, that's, I, went, I got up two steps. I'm done. I'm going back down to the concrete. But I remember standing at the Grand Canyon, you know, gripping the rail because I wasn't going to let go, watching birds fly beneath my feet. I thought that was magic. That's I've never seen a bird cool. fly underneath me. You've never seen anything like it. It's amazing. So I get your analogy. So let's go back to vision board mastery because I feel like I'm getting I – I really want you to share – how this works, why people should really visualize and, you know, give yourself opportunities and options just by seeing it. It is so important. And I think that maybe it's a COVID thing. Maybe it's just becoming more apparent because we are kind of stuck indoors and we're having to communicate differently. But it just seems to me that people are really struggling with how to cope with a really quickly changing world and not paying attention to their interior. Am I wrong? Yeah, Are you seeing that? I think a lot of people have been reflecting more and more over the past 14, 15 months. Um, in, in a lot of the things that I hear, people that were working and going to an office every day, and all of a sudden they're working from home or these, the way life has shifted and what they can do. And I've heard so many people saying, oh, my gosh, I don't, I don't want to go back to that. Is this right. what there is? After grinding and working, and all of a sudden you get spouses and partners who are together in the house 24-7 that weren't before. You know, they had somewhere else to be, and they just had those couple of hours at night. I've talked to so many people whose relationships have gotten so much better because all of a sudden they're around each other, and they both consciously said, hey, let's make our relationship better. They may not have said it out loud, but they said, hey, while we're home together, we should make dinner together like we used to years ago. We haven't done that because then we get to laugh and have conversations and do this stuff. Family time. People are playing board games again, which I hear from some of my clients, and they're having so much fun being around each other. And that's just one part of their lives. And I think people got a wake-up call. Many did. I mean, I know it's not the same for everybody. But I think a lot of people got a wake-up call where however long they've been working and grinding out their careers, when it all got kind of taken away in its original form, they looked around and wondered, oh, my gosh, is this what life is? I want more reward out of this. I want to feel better about this. I want to be a more active part of it. I don't want to be a robot anymore. I feel like I'm just part of a machine. I want to dig the ride. And a great way to do that is to figure out what do you not want your life to be like when things go back to whatever is going to be normal? Um, you know, even if you go back to working at your office, how can you take a little bit of how you felt and what you learned during this time, bring it back to that so you've got that hope, you've got that desired outcome. You're not just putting your head down on a desk like our parents told us. I'm 53. I got the lecture when I was 16. 
get a good education, get a good job with a good company with good benefits, put your head down for 45 years, and retire with benefits. I'm sorry. I'm not a cog in the wheel. I want to enjoy this ride the whole way. So when I started to get into visualization, I started to picture all those areas of my life and what I wanted it all to look like and that it's all important. It's not just work-life balance thing. So the way I take people through it is looking at all those areas of life that I mentioned. See where you are now in each one of them. Evaluate it. Then start to think of where you want to go, say, in a year. Don't, I don't do the whole 20-year thing. In one year, how would you like each one to be a little bit different or better? And then, of course, knowing why, because that's going to keep you on track if you know why. And then I do these brainstorms. It, it's like writing the ultimate letter to Santa Claus. In each area and in my program, I have different questions that prompt people to, to think of things in case they're stuck. Just blast it out there. The, it's, it's like when we used to get the Sears catalog right around Labor Day, and within three weeks, there's 80 bookmarks in it for what we wanted for Christmas. I mean, it's just throwing it all out there as a creative thought starter. And then you start to pick, all right, what is the one thing in each category that I want to set as a goal for this next year? Just start with one. Make sure each category has one. And if you have things that conflict, like one of my favorite exercises I love to do is tell people, if you have two or three things that you think are competing with each other, go look in a mirror and hold each one up. The one that makes you smile the most, start there. Because that's uh-huh. the one you really want. Because some oh, that's people are like, that's one thing I want. I don't know. Right. Oh, my God. So what do they do? They do nothing. <laughs> exactly. Analysis paralysis. Yeah. I understand. Oh, yeah. And then find the pictures or create one or take a photograph or if you're if you're creative, draw something. Or go find something in your community that you can go take a picture of and say, that's what I want. If there's a house you want to live in, go take a picture of the house and then go, uh, go into a, a graphics program and put your name on the mailbox. Make it real. And John Osaroff did that, didn't he, Steve? I mean, he found oh, a picture yeah. of a house, and I think 10 years later, he was living in it. John Osaroff is the reason out of the 98 minutes of The Secret his three minutes talking about vision boards are the reason I'm here right now doing this because I deep dove into that. Now, he didn't give a lot of clues. He was basically just doing the broad brush, put pictures on it of things I'd like to have someday. And I dove a lot deeper, not so much into the quantum physics or mechanics or mathematics, but experientially, I dug into it and learned how to formulate my why and take the action steps and learn the things I had to do and become the person I had to be. Because part of my program is also a little bit, it's not as deep as DISC or Myers-Briggs. It's a little bit of a personality behavior communication style exercise That's it's really kind of fun with the graphics that I use. It's are you more this or this? And if you're somebody that says, I want to grind it out and make a million dollars this year, but you're the most lazy human being on the planet, well, okay, maybe you've got to be a little less lazy. It's, it's a good eye-opener and done in a humorous way where so many people go, oh, no wonder I haven't achieved this yet. I'm doing this too much or I'm behaving in this way too much or my feet are kind of stuck in this end of the pool over here and I need to swim down this way a little more or surround myself with people who do. So I can leverage my impact, my influence, and get closer to my goals. 
you know, it's, it's like people who say, oh, I could never be a speaker because I'm shy or I'm an introvert. Well, guess what? I am an introvert. Oh, me too, big time. Yeah, but I'll get up in front of 1,000, 2,000 people and share my message because I know my why. My why is I've got to reach those people way in the back, in the shadows, who probably came in late, maybe sat in their car and cried a little bit because they didn't know if they were worthy of being there. You know why I worked so hard for that person? Because I used to be that person. And I worked through all that stuff to get where I needed to be to be able to help other people who right now are where I used to be. That's the whole why. That's my why behind everything. Right. And you did this with vision boards. Now, are we talking, I've never actually had a vision board, although I did take a picture of what passes for a vision board that's in my office, and I sent a, I sent a picture to you. It's got the Health Magazine with my very dear friend, Jim Tunney, NFL number 32, Dean of NFL Referees. And then everything else on there is a, a Larry Wingett postcard. <laughs> That's my vision board. These are people I admire. And, you know, I look Ooh. up and see them and say, yeah, I want to be like them. I admire the heck out of these people. That's about as close to a vision board as I've gotten. So let's talk about what your vision board looks like, because I think yours is a little bit different than what people are experienced or they expect at any rate. Yeah, I mean. For me, somebody asked me one time, what's a vision board? I said, well, it's a wall-mounted GPS for the rest of your life if you do it. Right. Oh. Think of where you want to be. These are the destinations. I mean, you're walking around in your, in your skin, skin and bones all day long. You're walking somewhere. This is just like a map of where you want to go. It's all your desired outcomes. And, again, we work with all those different areas of life that I mentioned earlier. Whatever is most important to you, I encourage you to make that the centerpiece. Now, for me, it's, it's me and my wife, Tina, because I spent several years working on myself to be the ultimate version of me that would attract the type of partner I wish to have in my life. And our 14th anniversary is this June. So that's Congratulations. the picture of Thank you. With, with the words love and, and just who I want to be and how I want to be all around that, and then outside from that extends into my career, my physical health, the emotions I want to feel on a regular basis. I want to laugh. I want to be happy. I want to be caring. I want to have empathy. I want to commit kindness. Uh, different financial goals are out there. What do I want my business to look like? If I'm going to write a new book this year, I mock up a cover of a book, and maybe I'll write number one bestseller, which means i got to get out there and leverage my connections big time to keep doing that, and this is actually out of the 10 steps in my program, gathering the pictures and putting them on a board is steps, are steps seven and eight. Really? Not just, we hear, we hear the, you know, hey, Steve, we're having a vision board party, and I think I shared with you the other day, I actually yeah. launched a t-shirt line that says, get right <laughs> in the back of John Stockstein, it says, friends don't let friends attend vision board parties. I saw that and laughed. I used to get invited to them all the time. I said, what part of introvert don't you understand? No. But thank yeah. you. Yeah. Well, that and the marketing's all wrong. They go, hey, we're having a vision board party with wine, cheese, crackers, scissors, and glue sticks. I'm like, well, wine and scissors are probably not a great combination, although you can not with wine. With <laughs> and I run with scissors. So, no, again, thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. So this whole thing, it tells the story. And then, of course, making the board is, is even though it's, it's steps seven is gathering and eight is, is formulating your plan, steps nine and ten of my program are all about 
building your action plan. It's, you know, and I, I have no secrets. I'm not going to say, hey, you got to buy the program to get the rest. You talk about the actions, the resources, and the connections that you have to establish. Now, I formalize the plan and, and make it easier to navigate in the program, but that's basically it. You start to think of the people you're going to have to have in your circle, people you're going to have to align with to get to certain places, like I'm doing right now to raise the game in my business. I'm joining this organization, this group of people who are out there crushing it, and they are a family. It's not just buy into our program and see results. Become part of this family. Put in the effort, and all the resources you need are here. You just got to build the relationships. So you think of those things. You think of the resources. What's out there? What are you going to have to learn? What are you going to have to – who are you going to have to become in this process to get there? You're going to have to be a little less shy, a little more bold, a little more daring. Do you have to focus more? Do you have to slow down? Because some people are racing through the life at 100 miles an hour, but they're not getting anywhere. So all of these things come into play in the action plan to get there. And the biggest thing I tell people is, look, once you've built your vision board, think about the people in your life whom you know, like, and trust, who've got your back. Share your goals with these. Even if it's just one person who's your best friend, your BFF, share with that person. And, and don't bother with the people who are just going to say, why do you want to do that? You tried that in the past. You failed at everything you tried. Don't you remember? Let them hang out with the sour puss at the Ain't It Awful Club with Jack Canfield's people that he talks about. Share it with the people who've got your back, who believe in you, and keep it where you can see it every day, even if it's in your office, near your bed. One of my clients has her vision board hanging next to her bathroom mirror. And when I asked her to share yeah. that, I heard that. I've heard that. Somebody Put said, it on your bathroom mirror. Yeah. And I said, Lisa, Go ahead. Tell these people, why do you keep it in the bathroom? She goes, hey, I'm there every day, several times. So she sees her board. When she's fixing her hair in the morning and her makeup, she looks at her board and she wonders, what one step can I take today toward just one of these goals? What connection can I make? What resource can I tap into? What action can I take? Who might I need to have a conversation with today? Just one step. And one of my mentors, a guy named Chris Whitehead, he's one of my coaches, and he always says, brother, you're overthinking this. All you have to do is 1% better every day. Every day. And you're going right. to get to it. Yeah. Exactly. And you know what, what your friend does? I don't have a, you know, things posted all over my mirror, and I have giant mirrors in my bathrooms. I didn't do it. The builders did it. But what I do keep is a marker. And as a thought pops up that I think is too important to lose between the bathroom and my office or wherever I'm going, I'll scribble it on there. And it may stay for days until I take action on it. But once I've taken action on it, I'll erase it. It's just a good reminder. Yeah. And we have ideas all day long. And all you know those, time. those little shower toys that they made for kids, the shower crayons? I'm convinced they missed the biggest market uh, of creative adults like us. Because where do we think of the best ideas? In the shower. In the shower. And we try to I... say it over and over in our head, and we lose the idea. If they would just make shower crayons for entrepreneurs, we would just take pictures of our bathroom walls and, and bring I them do. to board meetings and go, here's an idea. I say this all the time on the radio. I'm, you know, I have bought boxes of bathtub crayons, and when I'm in the shower, because you know, that's 
you're perfectly alone. Your instinct is kicking in. You're getting messages from God knows where. They're great messages. Instinct, I don't know what it is. And I will scribble all over my bathroom walls because the minute I jump out and I'm drying off or gathering up products or whatever I'm going to do, that brilliant, perfectly crafted sentence or thought is gone. You may have a remnant of it, but it's not perfect anymore. So I grab my phone. I take pictures of my my shower stall. (laughs) Then I wipe it down, and off I go. I've been doing that for years. Yeah, and when I'm out of the house, I have little um, digital audio recorders that – or I'll use my phone, the audio recorder in the phone. When I'm driving, uh, you know, a part of my business, in addition to the visualization work and being a conference speaker, is I help other speakers – to add humor appropriately to their presentation. So I'm thinking of ideas all the time, and I can't just pull over and stop and scribble down a little something. No. So I start workshopping it live, and I just record it and capture it. And that's the greatest lesson I ever learned, that wherever you are, be able to capture your ideas somehow. Because the worst thing in the world is to remember that you had a good idea, but you have no idea what it is. Exactly. And, like exactly. And you know what I do? I do the I keep a notepad or not my iPhone. I don't like to keep any technology next to me when I'm trying to sleep because I don't sleep well anyway. But I do have a little mini recorder because I do a lot of what I call lucid dreaming. I've written books in my sleep and I wake up and I've got to get it down before it goes away. So a lot of what I do comes to me, comes to me in my dream state. And when you do that, and I've proven this, it is very, very advantageous if you turn on the light and actually watch what you're writing down. Don't scribble in the dark thinking you've captured it because when you wake up in the morning and you go, oh, Griznox, I don't know what that was. (laughs) I tried it with, with even a Sharpie. It looked like I was trying to write a prescription for something. It was horrible. (laughs) Like, okay, that didn't work. (laughs) I've lost many ideas that way, unfortunately. Exactly. I don't think we got anywhere as far as I wanted to get, you know, with the, the mastery of what you do. I'm probably going to ask you to come back after I've gone through your course, if you don't mind. I'd like for you to come back so we can kind of really hone in on what people can do and why they should do it and how it can help them. Would you be willing to come back in a few months? Oh, gosh, I would love to. Okay. Again, if you said no, I was going to cut you off my Christmas card list. That's my favorite threat. (laughs) (laughs) Just so you know. (laughs) But anyway, well, listen, before I let you go, tell people where they can find you. And definitely, I do want you to come back because I think this is a really important topic that we kind of skated over a lot of it and there's a lot of personal you know chat going back and forth which is great but i'd like to get into the nuts and bolts of it if we could yeah most definitely okay great well listen tell people where they can find you tell people where they can find your course and i can't wait to dig into that yeah nice and easy you can find me at motivational firewood dot com and the course is on the products page we also have a webinar there for people who are brand new to visualization and don't quite get the concept of it there's a free webinar there as well that they can check out wonderful steve thank you so much i mean thank you for putting up with my my tongue tied today i don't know what's going on anyway it is what it is so (laughs) 
I just feel like kind of a moron. Who is it, Reba McIntyre that did that on her show? Moron. I love that. Anyway, <laughs> it has been wonderful speaking with you, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart for all the terrific tips and the advice that you've shared with our audience, and I really look forward to having you come back. And before we say goodbye, I would like to remind our audience to be sure to look for us on iTunes, Honestly, Audible, we're everywhere. Just anywhere you consume your business podcasts. Just look for your partner in Success Radio and take us along on your success journey. Steve, thank you. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab.